95.6 or something like that. Could you beep your horn? This morning I want to talk about a visit to a graveyard from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. The other day I actually found something that made me laugh. I don't laugh a whole lot. I need to laugh more. But I I found this and I, I, I read it and I just started laughing. I don't know if you'll see the humor in it. Maybe my humor is different than your humor. But I thought this was hilarious. We've been taking a little harder look at journalists lately. Now, now some of you got it right away. Some of you are still trying. Let me interpret how I interpret. There's good old St. Peter at the pearly gates. And because of all the fake news, we're taking it a little bit harder on those who maybe aren't telling the truth. Well, fake news is a term that has recently come into our culture the last few years. But let me tell you something, fake news is not something that's new. Fake news has been around for years. We just haven't called it fake news. But this morning, I want to start off by stating a historical fact that is not fake news. He has risen! And because... Of his resurrection. We as Christians. Gather throughout this world. Today. And on every Sunday. To celebrate. And to worship. A risen Savior. Now think about this. If it wasn't for. This historical event. If it wasn't for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we as Christians would have no hope. Our faith in Christ would be useless. As Paul so stated to the church at Corinth, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Let's just go home now. And so is your faith. We are a people not to be pitied. We are a people not to feel sorry for. We are a people... Not to be worried about. We have a hope. And our hope is founded upon the historical fact that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died. He was buried. But three days later, he rose from the grave. He's alive. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And someday he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And he will reign forever And ever and ever. On Tuesday, March 9th, Heather and I took a trip 
to a graveyard. Let me share with you this special place in our family. This is Lower Valley, Lower Valley Union Cemetery, established in 1910. And to your left, the first arrow, is the family headstone for my family, the Philhowers. There buried is my grandfather, Clell, and my grandmother, Lydia. I just, I, I have one regret in life. I wish I had named one of our children Lydia. I love the name Lydia. They're probably thankful that we didn't, but I just, I just like that name Lydia. I don't think I would ever name a, a boy Clell. His middle name was actually Clell Fink. Clell Fink Philhauer. And my parents are buried alongside my dad's parents, my grandparents. Arrow number two is where my mom's mother, Oral, and her father, Otto, are buried. Oral and Otto Stichter, right close to my mom's plot there. And then if you look over to arrow number three, my dad was an only child, so I have no aunts and uncles on his side, but my mom has two sisters. And it just so happens that my two aunts and my two uncles are buried all in the same cemetery. My Uncle Elmer and my Auntie Oral and my Auntie Carol. But on that Tuesday in March, we went to that cemetery for a purpose. And that was to conduct a grave service for my Uncle Bill at the age of 96. It was Heather and I and my two cousins, Alan and Debbie. And the purpose was just to gather with them, the four of us, and then Thane was there, Debbie's son, to, to remember the heritage, our family. And then we visited every grave site, and we put a rose there. And as I remind myself of the purpose of that visit, I'm also reminded that in Mark chapter 16, there were three ladies who went to a graveyard with a purpose. Check this out. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they may go and anoint Jesus' body. There was unfinished business to take care of. Because of the Sabbath approaching, Joseph of Aramaeth asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down and he placed Jesus in a borrowed tomb. He wrapped him with linens. Mary Magdalene saw Joseph of Aramaeus wrap him in the burial linens, but time didn't permit to anoint his body. Mary Magdalene saw Joseph of Aramaeus put Jesus in that tomb, roll a stone across it, had it sealed. And Mary Magdalene went home anxious, upset. Because her Lord hadn't been given the proper burial and the anointing. So early the day after the Sabbath. Very early that first day of the week. Just as the sun started to rise to signify that the Sabbath was over. These three went on their way to the tomb. 
so that they could place the burial spices on Jesus. On that Tuesday, I have to admit, we didn't go early. My one cousin, Debbie, lives out in Setauket, Long Island. And, and I mean, you can't get up early enough to beat the rush hour traffic from out in the middle of Long Island. So we gathered at 1 o'clock. But as I think of these women going to that graveyard early, I'm reminded how I visit that graveyard once a year very early. Ever since I was a little kid, I can always remember going with my mother and my grandmother around the 1st of December, and we would take wreaths, and we place them on the headstone and tie them. And I remember when I was older, driving Grandma up to the gravesite to put wreaths on her husband's grave, and then we would visit my uh, grandparents' graves and, and, and put wreaths there. And even now, today, once a year, the beginning of December, I, I wake up early, beat the traffic, watch the sunrise when I get to that gravesite, And now I have the responsibility of pushing the wreaths on my grandparents, my parents, my other grandparents, my aunts and my uncles. And I put wreaths there early in the morning. A tradition that we have carried out in our family for years. As they got there early, many times I get there early. But then... They came to a reality. And the reality was this. As they were going to that graveyard, the topic of their conversation went something like this. Hey, wait a minute. Who's going to roll away the stone? They asked each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? As they went, they faced reality of an obstacle. When we were at the graveside that March day, that Tuesday, I was at the gravesite of my parents and my grandparents. And I never knew my grandfather, my dad's father. He died in July of 1958. And in 1958, my grandmother bought eight plots for the total sum of $35. How many know that's a good deal? So there are eight plots. Two for my grandparents, two for my parents. And my dad gave me the deed to the cemetery plots, thinking that someday, hey, son, have you buried next to me? So I, I stood there that Tuesday right behind my dad's plot. And I told my cousins and I told my wife, hey, honey, someday, this is where I'm going to be. I'll be six feet underground right here, just facing the reality. If the Lord doesn't come back, come on, it's the point a man wants to die. We're, we're facing reality. And they were kind of like weirded out by that, but hey, I'm just facing reality. And remember how the women asked, who will roll the stone away? I face the reality of wondering who's going to put the wreath on my gravestone. But now this 
is where their story differs from mine. When they approached the tomb, please note it says that they looked up. If they looked up, they must have been looking down. And when you visit a grave site, you're filled with a flood of emotions, of memory, sadness, yet hope. And as these three women went to visit that grave site with their heads down, with a host of emotions flooding their being, all of a sudden they looked up and they were amazed. The stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And I'm sure that there were emotions of confusion, of anxiety, of fear, of panic, What has gone wrong? This is not what we expected. Where did they take Jesus? Is Jesus even there? They expected this tomb to be sealed with a stone in front. But when they got there, the stone had been rolled away. And I'm sure that there was a host of other questions that just filled their their minds and panic. But I want to remind you of something. That stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let those women in. Sometimes we think that the stone was rolled away to let Jesus out. Come on, folks. Don't kid yourself. No stone barrier. We're going to keep Jesus in that tomb. That stone was rolled away to let those women have Access. And they received a revelation as they entered the tomb to the right. They saw a young man that was dressed in a white robe, a messenger of God, an angel sent with a message. A powerful message, a life-changing message, a message of hope, a revelation. You're, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they have laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just As he told you. Now circle just as he told you. Highlight it. Underlined it. Maybe it says just as he said. He told you. It would happen. This empty tomb. This resurrection. Is no surprise to God. It may be a revelation to you. He who was dead. Is now alive. He who was brutally killed is now walking around among the living. No grave could hold him. No tomb could seal him. He is not here. Look at the place where they laid him. Do you see him? No, he is not here. He has risen just as he told you. Now I have a question for you this morning. It's 
it's not a trick question. It's more of a, it is a theological question. And the question is this. How many people have experienced resurrection from the dead? How many people have experienced resurrection from the dead? And I see some of you looking, you're counting. And, and when you think about it and you look in the Bible, you start to count all the people in the Bible who have been raised from the dead. Believe me, there are many. And probably the most famous is Lazarus, the friend of Jesus. Remember Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha uh, uh, requested Jesus' presence. Jesus got detained, and, and by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. Martha goes out and meets Jesus and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Show me where you laid him. And they walk to this grave site. They walk to this tomb. And Jesus says, Roll away the stone. Oh, Lord, we can't do that. He's been in there four days already. There's going to be a bad odor. It's going to stink. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. And they rolled away the stone. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that he came forth with his legs and his arms still wrapped. Bound in the grave cloths. Come on. Do you get a picture of anything? He came forth, still wrapped in his grave cloths, with his hands and his feet bound. How is that even possible? It was either this or that. And Jesus orders the grave cloths to be unwrapped from him. And all of a sudden, there's joy. There's rejoicing. He who was dead is now alive. But let me ask you this question. How many people have been resurrected from the dead? Now this answer may surprise you. This answer may shock you. But there's only been one. And it's not Lazarus. You see, Lazarus was given a second chance at life. But he had a body that was going to decay and die again. And all the people in the Bible that received a second chance and was raised from the dead, they were going to die again. Why do I say Jesus is the only one? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits. What are the first fruits? The first one. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. The resurrection of the dead comes through a man. Who is that man? Christ Jesus. For just as Adam all died, so in Christ 
all will be made alive. The first fruits, the first one to receive a resurrected body is Jesus Christ. He has been resurrected from the dead and will never, never, never die again. Paul explains it this way as he further goes on. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of a heavenly body is one kind. And the splendor of an earthly body is another kind. The sun has one kind of splendor. The moon has another. Uh, The moon has another. And the stars another. And stars differ from stars in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown imperishable will be raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It will be raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And I want you to know that when Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, he received a new glorified body, a spiritual body. He is the first fruit of those who have been resurrected. All those who had been raised from the dead, they were going to die again. In fact, there are people every day who are given a second chance at life in emergency rooms. But that's not resurrection, that's resuscitation. People who are given a second chance at life by resuscitation, they will eventually die But we're talking about resurrection. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are one day going to be given a resurrected body, a heavenly body, a body that will be imperishable. Paul goes on further to say that this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought the past that is saying Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is this revelation at the resurrection of Jesus Christ that someday we will be resurrected with a new body, with a glorified body, with a heavenly body, with an imperishable body immortal body that will live forever and forever and forever. That is what's obtained at the resurrection. And with that, they had a new hope. With that revelation, we have a new hope. John, in his writings, in Revelation, realized the hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he wrote these words and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more Tylenol, no more Advil, no more arthritis, no more cancer, no more cataracts, no more fibromyalgia, no more glaucoma, no more high cholesterol, no more high blood pressure. Come on, we can go on and on and on. No more torn uh, ligaments. No more sickness. No more disease. 
No more viruses for the old order of things have passed away. That is the hope we have in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That when we die absent from the body, present with the Lord. But when the Lord comes back, the dead in Christ will rise. And we will receive a glorified body, a resurrected body. A body that is never tainted by sin again. And that's the hope of Easter. That's the promise of Easter. That is the faith we put in Jesus Christ. That the life we know of it here will someday pass away. And we who are in Christ will receive a resurrected body. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. As a result of that historical event, my life has been changed. I live with an Easter hope. I live with an Easter promise. I live with an Easter faith that someday, if the Lord doesn't come back and I'm placed in the ground in that burial plot at the lower cemetery grave cemetery behind my father I know one day that my body will be risen and unite with my spirit in heaven a body that will never know sickness or pain or mourning again and that's the promise we have this Easter. Would you stand? faith that someday when you are taken from this world you have the promise, the hope of a new resurrected body where you will live forever never to die again 
If you're not living with that hope, if you're not living with that promise, if you're not living with that faith and trust and belief, I want to give you the opportunity right now. It's just simple. It's just recognizing that you're a sinner. And today you want to make your peace with God by receiving what Christ did on the cross for you. And what Christ did on the cross for you was confirmed when he was resurrected from the grave. You say, Pastor, I, I want to live with this promise. I want to live with this hope. I want to live with this faith, knowing that when I pass, I will live in eternity forever and forever with the Lord. If that's your sincerest desire, would you just bow your heads with me? that's your sincerest desire and you've never made your peace with God would you just do that right now today would you just pray with me a simple prayer you can repeat it Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I need you in my life thank you for dying on the cross for me and shedding your blood that forgives me of my sin. I now receive you into my life as my personal Savior and Lord and give to me the promise of eternal life that one day when this life is over here on earth as I know it, I will live with you forever and forever with a resurrected body that will never die. In your precious name, we pray. And all of God's children said, can we sing it one more time as we're dismissed? Because he lives. Because he lives.